I'm delighted tonight that we're going to have a special Bible study. I'm looking forward tonight from hearing from our brother. He has uh, gone through some things and God has delivered him and blessed him. And it's just exciting to have him teaching tonight. Let's celebrate Elder Luther Wade. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. First, give an honor to God who is indeed ahead of my life and uh, praise God for our bishop this, uh, this evening. Amen. Um, I, I, I don't think he knows this, but this is, this is an early birthday present for me because I turn 45 tomorrow. And so uh, the, uh, the opportunity to be able to minister God's word is uh, there's no better gift to a preacher than the opportunity to minister God's word, amen. And so I feel privileged and, um, and just honored to be able to stand before you tonight. Um, now, I, I live with that song because um, I've been in a reflective mood uh, recently. And part of this reflection, um, God has taken me back um, to the origins. I, I've, 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 I've gone back to my origin story, so to speak. You know how every superhero, not saying I'm a superhero, but you know, every superhero has an origin story. You know, Spider-Man was bit by a spider. You know, uh, Bruce Wayne witnessed the, um, Batman witnessed the death of his parents. You know, so um, my origins as a minister, that was the first song I sung right before I preached my first sermon. And the scripture that I'm, I'm coming from is the scripture that I preached my first sermon from. And I, I wonder why God was doing this. And I mean, this text, I revisit this text um, every now and then. Uh, so in all actuality, I, I've, I've been preaching from this text for 28 years. For 28 years, I've been dealing with this text. And it's amazing to me how God would give you different revelations uh, from a text that you think you know all about. You know, a text that you think you know inside out. So I, I'm, I hope you was blessed by what God has given me as I, as I was when he was giving it to me. So I would like to direct your attention uh, to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, verses 10 through 20. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Word of God reads along this wise. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
So if I had to tag today's uh, Bible study with a topic, I would, I would tag it like this, standing with tired legs. Standing with tired legs. So as, as, I, as, as I poured into this text for this particular, um, for this particular revelation that God gave me this time, I, I, I found it a little strange because when I preached this as a 17-year-old boy, I preached, let's get ready to rumble. Because, you know, 17-year-old boys, they, you know, we want to rumble. You know, this is, uh, this is the age of, you know, I, I grew up in the age of Iron Mike Tyson, you know, who said that, uh, that people have a lot to say till they get punched in the mouth. You know, I, 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 I grew up in the age of, uh, you know, uh, back in this day, I was a big WWE fan and Hulk Hogan was still big stuff back then. And, you know, he was, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother, you know. Um, so as a 17-year-old boy, when I, when I looked at this text, I, 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 I looked at it from, from very much from a warrior's mentality in, in, in terms of fighting. Because what does the Bible say about, about the young versus the, the, the Bible says that the old are for counsel and the young are for war. And so, of course, as a 17-year-old boy, I'm going to look at this, you know, as, 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 a, as a frontline warrior. So then when I revisited this text, uh, you know, a few years later, it went from let's get ready to rumble to stand your ground. Okay, so as I, as I got a little bit older and now I have kids and everything else, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking about fighting anymore because I want to be around for my kids. <laughs> You know, so now, so now when the Lord, you know, uh, allowed me to revisit the text on that particular case, and it was about standing your ground, you know, standing firm in that which you know is right and that which you know is true. And so now as I, as, as I went into this text, this was the time, I, and, I, and I look at it out of the lens of my life, I get tired, y'all. I've been tired. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bluntly uh, bare and honest with you guys. This has been some tough years, and there's been many days that I've been, I've been tired. But what God has shown me through this text is tired does not give you a reason not to stand. You know, just because you're tired don't mean you sit down. Just because you're tired don't mean you go to the sideline. When you're tired, that's all the more reason to stand. All the more reason to stand. So, so as, as, I, as, I, as, as I look, and, and, and the first thing I want to really implore upon you all today is don't let your physical condition determine your position. Don't let your physical position determine your condition. You know, one of the greatest, now I'm a big cowboy fan, must the bishops agreeing. <laughs> He's been trying for over 22 years. One of the, Emmitt Smith's, his greatest, his crowning achievement as a player was when he was playing the New York Giants with the NFC East on the line, has a 20-something yard run, gets tackled, his shoulders popped all the way out of socket. A grade one AC strain of, I mean, a grade one strain of his AC joint. He finishes the game. Leads his team to victory and they win the Super Bowl later that year. That is his greatest achievement and why? Because he did not let his, his physical condition determine his position. Michael Jordan, one of his crowners, uh, crowners, uh, his crowning achievements, he played game, uh, a game in the finals with the flu. Many times in that game, you watch the game, Scottie Pippen had to actually carry him off the court 
because he was so dehydrated from the flu. Once again, he did not let his physical condition determine his position. And so what we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to realize that, you know, if great is he that is in me, that he that is in the world, that means even when I'm tired, he's still great. Even when I'm sick, he is still great. And see, I am in the world, but I don't have to be of the world. Why? Because of the person who lives in me. So that's not a point. That was free. That was complimentary. No, nothing's free. That was complimentary. But you don't want to let your physical condition determine your position. And so as I, as I, as, as, as I looked at this and I, I realized and, I, and, and, and I, I just want to help somebody right now because I think one of the things that we're guilty of as Christians is, is we have assigned um, um, certain aspects of life to faith. And so if somebody doesn't have a whole lot of money, they must not be faithful. If somebody is suffering with a physical condition for a long period of time, they must have done something wrong. If somebody doesn't live in a house, that somebody, if, if somebody lives in a big house and somebody else lives in an apartment, we, we assume that the person in the big house has, been, has, 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 has garnered more favor from God than the person in the apartment. Well, let me tell you something. Where you live does, is, 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 is not indicative of how you live. Some of the most wicked people I know live in some of the best houses. Some of the most wicked people I know drive some of the best cars. My grandmother was one of the most faithful women I've ever met in my life, and she died without a dime to her name. So for those of us who are dealing with something, don't let what you're dealing with deal with you. And what I've learned, let me tell you what I've learned. I've, and I've, 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 I've learned some of these things the hard way because I've been hard-headed, y'all. I've been hard-headed. I haven't always done what I was supposed to do. And I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm talking about a couple months ago. I'm talking about last week. This thing that we wrestle against, if we have to wrestle, we have to fight this fight every single day of our lives. And one of the things that I've learned in this time, I've learned this, I've learned it, I'm, I, I promise you that, I promise you that I've learned it. You know, Reverend Bunkley has talked to me about this, uh, uh, Elder Martin has talked to me about this, Elder Short has talked to me about this, I've had phone conversations with Bishop about this, I've had phone conversations with other my friends, and they've been trying to pound this into my head, time at the time at the time, and I'm here to tell you right now, I've learned. And you know what I've learned? I learned how to live with my condition and not in my condition. You see, there's a difference in living with something versus living in something. You see, because when you live in something, you let what you're living in dominate you. And when you're living in it, you can't, you can't focus on anything else because you've allowed what you're living in to surround you and encompass you in a way that you can't see the forest for the trees. But see, when you learn to live with something, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the reason why Paul was able to say that, you know, that, that, I mean, the reason why James said to count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, nor to try your faith with your work with patience, the reason why James was able to say that was because James knew that what ails you does, should not determine how you live, and that you can find joy in the most joyless of situations. So I'm going to leave you all with a few points about this, about how to stand with tired legs. 
And the first thing you have to recognize in standing with tired legs, you have to understand the power of preparation. The power of preparation. Now when, when I'm listening to the United States Navy, they fly you off, they flew me to Sand Dog. We call it the Sand Diggity. So I went to boot camp, Hollywood Navy. First thing they do, you walk into, um, you walk into doing your P-Days, your first day you get off that plane, they gather you all up, they take you to this room, they tell you to get rid of all your civilian clothes, you pack them up and they send them home. And they replace what you came in with, with what they want you to have. And they give you a uniform. Now back at Deacon, uh, Deacon Medina's in our day, you had to stencil your name onto your uniform. So now they make these patches for you that they just sew them on. But back in our day, you had to actually stencil. Well, first you made your stencil, then after making your stencil, you stencil your name on your, on, on, on your dungaree shirts, you stenciled in black. On your dungaree pants, you stenciled in white. So, you stench, so I was glad I only had a four-letter name because I got done with my stuff real fast. So they give you this uniform. And when they give you this uniform, each part of their uniform, there's a reason why they gave you that particular part of the uniform. You don't understand it at the time, but, but, but you realize later on that there's, there's a reason why they give you everything that they gave you. But one of the things that they're trying to do is they're trying to tell you what you came in as it's not, going to be, it's not going to allow you to make it in this organization that you're in right now. Because see, yeah, you may have had a good upbringing, you may have had a bad upbringing. It don't matter where you come from. It don't matter what neighborhood you grew up in. You don't, it don't matter what school you went to. When you come in here into Uncle Sam's military, what you came in with is not enough. We got to give you more tools. You have to be prepared. And so when you look at the first elements of the, uh, of the, of the armor, when you look at these things, it's all about preparation. It's all about preparation. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Take on the whole armor of God. That's all about preparation. Because see, you don't want to go into the battle unprepared. You know, again, being a Cowboy fan and, and, and being a big football fan and, and, and watching Super Bowls, I remember one year, Thurman Thomas left his helmet in the, in the locker room. It's no wonder why they lost that game. They best, they all pro running back didn't have his equipment. How are you gonna win a game if your running back don't have his helmet? So when it's time for him to answer the call and to go out on the field and play, he missed the first series. Why? He left his helmet in the locker room. I don't want any of us to leave our helmet in the locker room. When it's time for us to enter the game, we need to be ready. And you can't prepare the day of. Your preparation has to have already been had prior to even making it to the stadium. You know, if you're a Sunday school teacher and you walk in on Sunday morning to look at your lesson and that's the first time you open up your lesson, allow me to, allow me to be a little grammatically incorrect or not. That ain't no good. And you're about to cheat everybody who got up early that morning Coming to church, expecting to learn something. Even when I go to work, there are things that I have to do yesterday to be ready for tomorrow. You know, so a lot of times, the last like 20, 30 minutes of my work day, I'm preparing for what I got to do tomorrow. Because you know what, really, I mean, the last 30 minutes, it hasn't got done, 
you know, in the first seven and a half hours I'm, I'm there, it's probably not going to get done the last half hour. So I might as well set the table for me to be able And seeing back in my day, dinner took time. We couldn't just pop food in the microwave. My mom didn't just pop food in the microwave. My mom had to prepare. You know, there was times for some meals, my mom be chopping up vegetables and, 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 and getting stuff ready the following evening. I mean, the, the previous evening. Why? Because she worked. And then when she get home, she didn't have time to chop and all that other stuff and still get a meal on the table in time for us to eat. Preparation is key. And some of us wonder why we leave the day bruised because we enter the day unprepared. Because, see, preparation is not just for the big events. You have to prepare for the day-to-day life. You know, something, see, that's where some of us mess up at. You know, I know, I, I know people got married, they put so much energy in the wedding. Put a lot of energy in the wedding. Then the day after the wedding, they realize this, this marriage is going to be all messed up. We spend so much time on the big events that we let the, the, the everyday living fall to the wayside. And so we have to, we have to recognize that preparation is, there's a, there's a lot of power in preparation. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to stand because, you know, we, we have to understand it. And, and, and part of the preparation, we have to understand what this battle is all about. This battle ain't against me and you. You're really not my enemy, even if you don't like me. You're not my enemy. The enemy is what's inside you, not, not you. And we spend so much time fighting one another not realizing that it's not the person, it's what's in that person that's all jacked up. And you know why we don't recognize that, 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 that what's inside of people is what, is what messes them up? Is because we don't, we don't own our own mess. We want to walk around like we got everything all under control. Like, 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 like nothing in our life is messed up. And so when we look at others, we, we, we project what we wish we were onto someone else. And then we don't like them. And really us not liking them is really not us not liking them. It's really us not liking ourselves. Because you know what I found out? If you are always out to put somebody else down, it's because you really don't feel a whole lot of good about yourself. And so you have to put somebody else down in order to make yourself look better. And you know what? I, what, what this is what I've learned. I've learned that the people that I'm connected to, whether they like me or not, they are my fellow soldiers. You see, you could be fighting with me and not even know you're fighting with me. Because it's not about how you perceive me, it's about how I perceive me. And, and, and the Bible says that, 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 what, that what, 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 what the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around for your good. I'm sure all of us, if we really think about it and look at it, there's been times in our, in our career, there's been times in our professional lives that, you know, the people who, who, who had to promote us really didn't want to. You know, I've had people tell me there was, there was a situation. My supervisor, he uh, accused me of trying to, um, trying to choke him. And um, th- this is a true story, true story. Accused me of trying to choke him. And the reason why he, he accused me of trying to choke him because I, I was, and I wasn't doing this on purpose, but I was making him look bad. Because um, every time somebody needed information and they would come to him, he didn't have it. So he had to come to me. And 
I would give him the information and send it to him, and then he would send it off. Well, what he didn't know, and I, again, I wasn't doing this on purpose. It's just, it's just the way I was, I was trained in the workforce. I put a footer at the, end of all my, at the end of all the documents that I create. And you don't see the footer in the document. You only see it if you print it out. And so when he would send these, these, um, these uh, documents and these spreadsheets and whatnot, and these reports out to the managers, they would print them out. And little did he know that at the, at the bottom of everything I was giving him was prepared by Luther Wade. And as time went along, they was realizing that they would ask this guy for stuff and it would take him two or three days. Then they realized, wait a minute, why are we going to him? It's been prepared by Luther Wade. If we go straight to Luther, we might get it quickly. Well, he realized that that started happening because people stopped coming to him for stuff. And so he tried to dispute my numbers one time and he tried to do it on Front Street, in front of everybody, in front of the whole world. I told him, I said, no, nah. I said, um, I'm right, you're wrong. No, 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 this, this can't be right. I said, um, I'm not gonna say his name. I said, if you go to the system, I said, what I have here on paper is accurately reflected in the system. I got the system backing me up, not, not, not just what I'm saying, the system is backing me up. No, 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 no. Okay, all right, come here. Da, 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 da. See that? See this? That equals this, which means this is right and you're wrong. Get out of my office, get out of my office. I said, okay, I got out of this office. Went and delivered some more reports. When I left the office to go deliver more reports, he called security and said, I have a violent hostile employee. I haven't said two words to this man other than he was wrong. Guess what happened? Two years later, he had the knowledge in front of everybody. Luther knows what he's doing. You need any help with the system? You need help navigating the system? You need help pulling up reports? Go to Luther. You see, we don't have to fight by ourselves. And just because you think you're my enemy, you may not be my enemy. I, I, can, use your, I can use your animosity against me for my benefit. So, power preparation. The next thing that you have to understand is you have to understand the power of purity. The power of purity. And I get this, I get the purity aspect from the, um, from the belt, uh, having, uh, having girded with uh, your waist with truth, the, bre the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of peace. Those three elements speak to living a pure life. You know, breastplate of righteousness, feet shot with the, uh, with the preparation of, of the gospel of peace, your, your, belt, uh, your, your waist girded with truth. Those are all elements of a pure life. You cannot expect to win this battle on behalf of the Lord if you're living ugly. You know, my... Um, my brother one time, he called me, and my brother has this, um, I guess because we grew up in a very uh, stable, uh, middle-class household, there was this, um, both of us really, kind of, there was this element of us that kind of wished we were something we weren't, 
And so we would make up, you know, that we was this, that, and the other when we really, when we really wasn't. And so my brother never let go of that. I let go of that when I got grown. I had, well, see, my brother never had kids. And so I guess when you don't have children, you kind of hold on to things a little bit longer than people who don't, you know, who's, who's had children. So I had to let that stuff go because I had kids to raise. But my brother, like I said, he still do it. So my brother calls me up one day and he says, um, he says, yo, bro, um, I, need, uh, I need you to wire me like 50 G's. Okay, now, I'm married with three kids. You're single with no kids. And you calling me, asking me for 50 G's. So I said, um, I said, Ron, what are you talking about? And he whispering. <laughs> He's on the phone whispering. And so I, I said, Ron, what you talking about? Yeah, he said, um, I just got pulled over. And I'm riding dirty. And so I said, Ron, I said, stop it. Stop it. I said, you know that you ain't doing none of that because you know mama will kill you. We need to be so pure-minded because we know that what we do, God is looking at us. You see, the reason why I knew my brother wasn't really off into that nefarious stuff because I know how my brother was raised. I know who raised my brother. Well, as spiritual warriors, God has raised us. And we have to be very careful of how we represent God. You know, when, when I was younger, my mom would always tell us when we get ready to go to the store, don't ask for nothing, because you ain't gonna get nothing. And then the, the other part of that was, act like your last name, not your first name. We have to act like our reborn selves and not our born selves. We have to live a life that represents our rebirth, our new birth, not our original birth. And the only way to represent that life is by living in purity. So it says first truth, stop lying. You know, I learned that sometimes the truth hurts, but lies hurt more. Because guess what? Lies would eventually become truth. You could tell a lie for a long time, but eventually the truth will come out. And the ramifications of the truth gets worse the longer you lie. That's what we learned about this president. If they had told the truth about the Russians when it was first asked, you wouldn't have six people indicted, three people already pleading guilty. But because they kept lying and kept lying and kept lying, the consequences of the lie got worse and worse and worse and worse. And we don't have to look to the White House to see the ramification of lies. I'm sure all of us can look in our own house and see the, 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 the consequences of telling lies. Breastplate of righteousness. Living righteous ain't easy, but it's necessary. And we have to understand that for many people, the only Jesus they will come in contact with is the Jesus that lives inside of us. 
And we have to live our lives as if we are a, a, an advertisement. I go back to my Navy days. When, 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 when I walked out off the base, when I walked off the ship in uniform, my, my uniform had to look a certain way. Because number one, I was representing the Navy when I wore that uniform. And number two, my command was also represented because on my left shoulder, my command rocker was on the left shoulder. So not only did they know, did they know I was in the Navy, but they also knew what ship or what command I was also attached to. And so anything I did, anything I did brought shame not just to me, but to the Navy and to my ship. We have to understand that we are representing Christ. And when we, when, when, when we mess up, I have no doubt in my mind. I have no doubt in my mind that if I was to do something wrong in this place, that they're going to write, Luther Wade, you pastor of Shallow Baptist Church. <laughs> and they don't have to know that coming in. They, you know, the story be on somebody's computer or something, they say, wait a minute, Luther Wade, he you pastor Shallow. Oh, yes? Oh, let me add that byline to it. So we have to understand the power of purity because, uh, purity because purity is what allows us to rise above the mess that this world has become. If we're not living pure, we live like everybody else living. And if we live like everybody else living, how's the world gonna be changed? The problem with Christians today is the, the world has changed Christianity instead of Christianity changing the world. Power of perception. Next point, power of perception. And when we look at the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, it's all about perception. Faith is the ability to perceive that which is not physically apparent. <laughs> It's to see beyond the physical and see what God is doing in the, in the spiritual. It's to look past the natural and understand there's a supernatural being working out the natural situation. And so although I may not see what's going on, I may not, I, although what I'm, what I'm looking at is a scar, there's something going on beyond the scar that's gonna prepare me to go further in the future. And we can't see that without faith. Without faith, all we see is the envelope with the red line. Without faith, all we see is the empty, the empty, um, the empty tank of the gas. You know, I, it was amazing to me how some of these people during the government shutdown kept their wits about themselves. You saw some people losing their mind. You saw other people leaning to faith. And it's amazing how, how some people, it, it, it broke them, whereas other people, it made them. Now, I'm not gonna pretend to know because I've never been in a situation where I had to go to work day in and day out and not get paid. I'm not gonna pretend to be able to know what it was like to be a, a federal worker working in one of those agencies for 35 days. I'm not gonna pretend to know that. But, I will, but, but what I will pretend to know is that greater seed that is in me than he that is in the world. What I will pretend to know is that although Uncle Sam may be signing a paychecks, it is God who is the provider because, because Uncle Sam is not Jehovah Jireh. God is Jehovah Jireh and he is the one to provide. 
And those folks who was going through that situation, who's able to lean on their faith, who's able to lean on, and, and who's able to see beyond their physical present circumstances, who's able to see beyond the fact that their paycheck was coming with zero dot zero zero, those folks was able to make it past that and kept their minds and was able to walk back into work on yesterday uh, on Monday with a with a clear mindset than those who hadn't. You see, because for those who wasn't operating in faith, deliverance came when the government reopened. But for those, but for those folks who was living by faith, deliverance came the minute they believed. You see, what, what is faith? Faith is the ability to believe before you see. It's the ability to know that although things may not look okay now, things will be okay. It's the ability to know that I, I may not like what I'm feeling right now. I may not like what I am right now. But I know that God has not failed. The same God that delivered, um, that, that, that delivered the children of Israel. The same God that allowed the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down. The same God that allowed the Red Sea to part. If God can make the Red Sea part, then the Red Seas in my life can part as well. And I don't know about you, my red seed is not a body of water. My red seed is a season condition. And if God can part a red seed, then surely he can allow me to live with a season condition. You see, I don't have to live in my seasons. I have my seasons. Sometimes I'm out for the count. Sometimes I'm out for one, two, three, four, five days. I miss work sometimes. I miss seven, eight days of work at a time. But every morning, regardless of how I feel, I can wake up and say, for God I live and for God I die. And although I may not have experienced the total deliverance of being season free, although I'm still taking medication, I know that God is a doctor that never lost a patient. And he has more medicine in the hem of his garment than any pharmaceutical company. Pfizer ain't got nothing on God. CVS ain't got nothing on God. Walgreens ain't got nothing on God. But it's all about how to perceive it. Because there was a time, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, there was a time when this thing had me beat. Y'all know that I'm just a, I'm, I'm a 225 pound bucket of black water. Y'all know I cry. Y'all know I cry. And I'm not ashamed of crying either. It's part of who I am. That's the one thing I, I thank God for my mama. My mama never made me feel ashamed to cry. Because I know some black mothers, they tell their black boys don't cry. And that's why so many of us are just bound up with, with all kind of stress and anger and whatnot. But, 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 but so, so if it was good enough for mama, it's good enough for anybody else. I don't care. But guess what? I have to learn that even in the midst of going through, I still have to be able to cry tears of joy as well. All my tears can't be sorrowful. All my tears can't be woe is me. It's okay for me to cry because I'm hurt. It's okay for me to cry because I don't like what I'm going through. But also there has to be a time when I cry and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sticking closer to me than a brother. Thank you, Lord, for keeping your promise. 
Thank you, Lord, for being a very present help in a time of trouble. Thank you, Lord, for being an ever-present and faithful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be able to find peace in a pitiless situation. Thank you, Lord. And when I'm able to call those things that be not as though they were, then what things are are not so bad anymore. Because you know what? The reason why things get so bad for some of us is because we make them worse than what they really are. Now, I'm not going to minimize my condition, but I'm not going to maximize it either. As a little boy, he's always saying, if it's not greater than death, this hope. Because I, I serve a God who overcame death. And so I can look at a dead situation and still see life. I can look at a dead situation and still see life. I can look at a hopeless situation and still have hope. Why? Because my hope is not built on physical things. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and his righteousness. Oh, I can, I, can, I can understand that although I may not feel strong, I am strong. Why? Because the strength that I have is not a strength that the world provides, but it's a strength that God gives me. It's all about perception. And the last power I want to talk about, I'm going to leave y'all, is the power of purpose. The power of purpose. And if you look at the whole end, after he had given out all the armor, and after he had, had, had instructed them on all the various facets of the armor, he went on to talk about himself, about how he's an ambassador in chains. Talk about why he does what he does. When he's asking them to pray, he's asking them to pray because he wants them to pray for him so that he can keep uttering the things that he's been uttering. He can keep speaking the things that he's been speaking because he, he had an entire government up against him. An entire government was up against Paul. But Paul, and Paul said, so you know what? Y'all just keep praying for me. The only reason why Paul was able to be that way was because Paul understood his purpose. And I don't know about y'all, but one of the great things about living in America we don't have a government against us, but we are wrestling against principalities. We may not have a city against us, but we do have demons against us. We may not have a county against us or a state against us, but we have some really bad principalities who are looking to take us out. We may not have, you know, a, a federal government or a world government that is, at, that is actively plotting against us, but what we do have is we have wickedness in all kinds of places trying to plot our demise. We have, we, we have wickedness, we have, we have spirits that are trying to attack our children. We have spirits that are trying to attack our mind. We have spirits, and we have to understand the purpose of what we're doing. This purpose is not to fight a physical battle. The purpose of what we are, the purpose of what we're doing right now is not to fight a physical. We're not put on a helmet so that we can protect ourselves against a bullet. We're not put on a breastplate so we can protect ourselves against a sword. We're not putting on, uh, we're not wrapping a belt around our waist so we can, we, so that our pants will stay up, so that as we're fighting in battle, we're 
don't have to worry about what, what can attack our ways. No, we put on these things because there's a spiritual battle out there. And it's for our very lives. We are fighting for the lives of our children, of our children's children. We are fighting for the lives of our community. We are fighting for the lives. And I know I, this is something that I know without a shadow of a doubt. If God's people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray, seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and he will hear the land. And I'm here to tell you right now, we have to understand that there's purpose in our prayers. We have to understand that there has to be purpose in the way we live. We can't be doing things on accident. We have to be doing things on purpose. I'm going to walk up to the devil. I'm going to kick him right in his teeth. And I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm going to confront him. I'm going to say, Belzebub, you have no power over me. Belzebub, you have no rule over me. Right now, I'm going to tell him right now, devil, you can come at me if you want to, but I promise you, you come at me, you're going to come out with a black eye. Come at me if you want to. Because I'm going to call those things that be down as though they were. Devil, you have no place. Devil, you are defeated. Get up under my feet. I'm stomping on your head. Devil, 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 devil. Get away from my kids. Devil, 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 devil. Get out of my house. Devil, 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 devil. Get out of my city. Devil, 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 devil. We have to recognize the power of preparation, the power of purity, the power of perception, and our power of purpose. We do those things, we be able to stand even when our legs get tired. Word of the Lord.